Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing great. I will admit I have not followed politics that closely these last couple of weeks because it's super depressing. Uh, With no margins for error, the Dems are having their agenda whittled down by the conservative corporate wing of their party which is really only a few members. It's really Cinema and Mansion in the Senate and then a few in the House. But again, when you have no margin for error and there's people willing to just burn it all down, they're very powerful and they have really disproportionate kind of sway on the agenda. So even though we have pretty much 95% of the Democratic caucus, you know, wanting to go really big on pretty much everything, those few folks can really, uh, again, whittle it down. It was likely inevitable in some sense, you know, that $3.5 trillion wish list and, you know, uh, Biden was going to be the next FDR. Maybe that was a little wishful thinking, uh, but it's still sad to watch. Um, And, you know, I I do want to say, I think there's still great things that can be done, um, but it's just, you know, watching this kind of circular firing squad is not fun. Before I go on, I did an episode a while back called The Hippies Were Right, and it's one of my favorite episodes, and I'm going to put it in the show notes because it's kind of the companion to this episode, which is Punching Hippies is America's Favorite Pastime. And, you know, before I get into the kind of thesis here, even though, you know, Biden's agenda getting whittled down was probably inevitable and maybe progressives like myself got a little too ahead of ourselves thinking, you know, that this was going to be, you know, literally our, our wish list. What's been most frustrating for me, at least, is just the bad faith argumentation, particularly on the part of Mansion and Cinema, and all the wasted time. You know, I work in policy. I've worked in policy for a couple decades. And The things that are being debated right now that are trying to make it into this Build Back Better bill, right? So it's everything on climate policy, everything on child care, community college, paid family leave, Medicare expansion, you know, immigration reform. This represents years and years of work of Democratic staffers and lawmakers and progressive think tanks. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that the stuff being debated now and considered, is the product of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of hours of the most kind of progressive minds in the country, let alone the millions of hours of time people put in to get people elected to enact this. And so that's what pisses me off about this whole moment, whole moment is all that work, all that really good faith effort being just thrown out the window by bad faith argumentation from a few corporate whores in the Democratic Party. And that's just, it's a real, it's just, it's just depressing. And again, I want to just say as much as I just called Cinema and Mansion corporate whores, and there's a few in the, in the house, at the end of the day, 
I will somewhat rescind that description if they vote for a pretty progressive package. If at the end of the day, Cinema and Mansion, you know, vote yes on a pretty solid package, even if it's $1.75 trillion, even if it doesn't have everything I wanted, you know, I'll say they came through and I'll give them props. But right now, the bad faith argumentation, the moving the goalposts, it's just, it just sucks. So I'm recording this on Friday, November 5th, and it's looking like the Dems will likely hold votes in the House of Representatives, you know, today or tomorrow or sometime very soon, very possibly before this episode airs, on their Build Back Better framework and the bipartisan infrastructure bill. If the bipartisan infrastructure bill passes in the House, it will go to President Biden's desk because it already passed in the Senate. This will be a big win for Biden, the Democrats, and the country. Now, of course, the 18, you know, 19 Republicans who voted yes in the Senate and maybe a couple in the House that will vote yes for will take a lap. And, of course, the Republican Party doing what they do will take credit for things they didn't vote for and members who didn't vote for it will take credit for it. Whatever. That's par for the course. You know, the fact that some Republicans will claim credit, you know, whatever. Um, that's just that's the game we're playing. Um but it's, a, you know, and that bill has some decent stuff in it. It's not great, but it has some decent climate stuff in it. It has some real infrastructure stuff in it that's going to make, you know, uh, you know, American commerce better and help the supply chain bottlenecks. It'll be good for the economy, good for jobs, um, and good across the whole country. So it will be a nice win. If the Democrats also pass their version of the Build Back Better, that puts a lot of pressure on the Senate to go and do their version. Now, of course, once the Democrats pass the bipartisan infrastructure, all their leverage is essentially gone, right? So Manchin and Cinema will have gotten what they wanted, and now all the cards are in their hands. They can do whatever they want. They can say, fuck you. We're not going to pass anything in the Senate. We're done, right? Now, that would be an incredible betrayal, but it's totally possible, and there's nothing anyone could do about it. And again, people who think, why doesn't Biden get tough and call them up? Biden is not a king. He can't control mansion and cinema. So, you know, it's on them. Um, they also could take the tact of just whittling it down. Say, hey, you guys passed your part. Now I'm going to whittle it down. Everything I don't like, I'm going to I'm gonna take out and then force you to vote on it. Because, again, what the Senate will do is they'll vote for their part, send it back to the House, and basically the progressives are going to have to just take a deep breath and take what they can get. And, again, the hope is... That Manchin and Cinema and the rest of the Democratic caucus in the Senate will put together a reasonable bill, even if not as good as the House version. So look, all is not lost, and the Dems will likely have some pretty substantive victories in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to devote a whole episode to that, if and when it happens, and that will be much more celebratory. I'm really, really looking forward to that episode if it comes to pass. But what I want to talk about today is the utterly predictable response to the Democratic loss in Virginia this week in the state races. And, you know, they, they got close to losing in New Jersey, which is another pretty strong Democratic state, and all the hand-wringing and corporate media nonsense that's coming out. It was a tough loss in Virginia, I'm not going to lie. You know, Virginia's been blue for a while. It went 10 points for Biden. And Youngkin is a, ra a racist, lying piece of shit. Um, like 95% of all Republicans um, who are running for office. 
To put things in perspective, however, in off-year elections, after a major party wins a lot, right? The Democrats won the White House, the House, and the Senate. They control all you know, major branches of government except the courts. It's typical for the, you know, that next year to the opposing party to win big races. So this was not some utter disaster. It was part of a predictable pattern, even if it was unfortunate, which it was, right? And while I don't think every statewide election is linked to the national political mood and the national political conversation, oftentimes the mantra, you know, all politics is local, it's true. I think these races, it's fair to say, were linked to national issues, right? The economy has been sputtering because of the Delta surge. A lot of people have been dying. A lot of people have died in Virginia, include you know, and in you know other other places where there were the races. Inflation is relatively high. It's not through the roof, but it's high. There's supply bottlenecks. People can't get the stuff they want. So it's not a great combo of events when this election took place, and that's likely what doomed the Democrats. Right? Is you know, bad national mood is going to just hurt the party in power. It's just uh, basically a you know, a rule, iron law of American politics. Now, to the extent that the Dems not passing their agenda in Congress that they've been debating for month after month after month also depressed turnout, especially among Democratic progressive voters, the obvious answer is to get shit done, right? Simple. People are pissed you're not getting shit done and not voting for you. Get shit done, right? But because punching hippies is America's favorite pastime. In this week, we've been treated to a flurry of editorials from all the usual suspects, the New York Times, Bloomberg, The Economist, about how Biden has gone too far left and must distance himself from progressives if he's to have any chance you know, in governing and any chance in the midterms. Now, of course, the midterms are a year away, right? A million things can happen a year from now. Right, the notion that what happens today is going to influence the midterms is utter stupidity. Right, the the Republicans shut down the government, you know, in uh, in less than a year before national races and didn't pay any price for that. Right, the notion that people are even going to remember what's going on now a year from now is ludicrous. Right, so these these corporate media types. Just saying that, oh, you know, distance yourself from the left. People are rejecting you. It's the opposite of the facts and opposite of the truth. Their logic is as follows. Just listen to this. Democrats didn't deliver on their agenda and they lost. So we tell them the solution is do less. That's impeccable logic. You need to only be a super elite PhD doctoral, you know, plutocrat to believe something that stupid. Right, it literally is stupidity of the highest order, and I want to unpack why this deceptive and bad faith argument is the norm for corporate media types and elites in the punditry class, and what it says about America and American culture after the break.
Okay, so why does this narrative of blaming progressives and the left have such purchase in America, right? No matter what goes wrong on the Democratic side, it's always the progressives' fault. And I also want to point out again, remember, it's a couple corporate Dems against the 95% of the caucus. So again, this notion that there's this far left in the Democratic caucus that's pushing for paid family leave and they're not getting what they want, so they're jeopardizing the whole agenda, is just false. It's utter and complete bullshit. So what's going on here? The bottom line is follow the money. I don't think this explains it all. I don't want to oversimplify it. But the reality is the progressive agenda diminishes the power of plutocrats and will likely raise their taxes, and it increases the power of marginalized groups. And America at its core, in addition to be a white supremacist nation, is a plutocratic country ruled by elites, and anything that threatens elite power will always get trashed and belittled. That's just a fact. It is just literally a fact of American culture. But it's even more than that. right? Dominant American culture is ultimately a toxic stew of white supremacy, sexism and misogyny, violence, ignorance, and injustice. And that's mainstream culture. It's in everything from football to 4th of July fireworks and barbecue to endless war to, you know, to, you know, white men getting away with sexual harassment and, and rape. We're at the highest levels. And anything that directly challenges this toxic stew is always met with scorn because the dominant classes in America simply cannot take criticism or anything that reflects poorly on them, right? And the core elements of the progressive movement directly challenge core American premises, right? We want justice because America is currently unjust. We want equity because America is inequitable. We want peace because America is essentially violent. We want sustainable energy and resource use and environmental quality because America is currently on an unsustainable and destructive path. But American elites and the American dominant class are simply too insecure to take progressives seriously. It challenges the core notion of American exceptionalism. Right? If you take progressives seriously and say, hey, we need paid family leave. We're the only developed country that doesn't have that. Hey, we need to tax billionaires. They have too much money. Hey, we need green energy. It shouldn't be all fossil fuels and coal. You're challenging the notion that somehow the elites have not done it right. And they just cannot stand for that. Right, And so again, even though everything the progressives are asking for in this Build Back Better bill is vastly popular. I mean, like 60 to 80 percent of Americans, if you just do it on the issue, do you want to expand Medicare and give it dental benefits? Do you want to allow the government to negotiate with drug companies to lower prescription drug prices? Do you want the government to invest in clean, renewable energy? Do you want um, you know, the government to help subsidize child care for people? Do you want child tax credits for people who have children help them take care of their kids. They're just wildly popular, but the elite just can't stand it, right? Because it goes against the notion that they've done right by America, and they haven't. They've done wrong by America, and they know it, and they're guilty. So it's easier 
to dismiss progressives and blame everything on them and belittle them than to actually face up to the truth. And hence, punching hippies is the favorite pastime. Now, fortunately, I I think I can report that progressives in the Democratic Party are hip to this game. They know what's being played, and they're not going to give up on Build Back Better, even if it's watered down a lot. They know that delivering for the American people and trying America live up to its ideals is the only thing that will save us. Not retreating, not saying, oh, we're trying to do too much, let's just go back to joining, quote, bipartisan and all this bullshit, but actually forging ahead with a progressive vision. This is a good sign, right? I have been following politics for decades, and to see a confident progressive movement especially ascendant in the Democratic Party, is a new thing in my lifetime, right? The progressives are ignoring the mainstream narratives and they're getting back to work. And just expect corporate media will continue to lambast them and condescend to them because in many ways, mainstream America is like a sitcom that has stayed on air for a few seasons too long and has become lazy, tired, and boring. So after the break, I'll come back with the antidote. Okay, so my guess is if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably not a huge fan of most mainstream American cultural values. I'm not saying you don't like baseball and apple pie, but you probably don't favor endless war, burning every last drop of fossil fuels, voter suppression and gerrymandering. You probably aren't a great fan of Facebook and social media and all the kind of algorithms manipulating us. You probably don't think we should eat red meat at every meal or it's not a real meal. And you don't probably think America is the best thing that God ever created. You probably feel more comfortable with the countercultural elements of America. Those elements of America fighting for justice and diversity and tolerance and equality and a cleaner and greener future. I want to recommend to you that you think of yourself as the representative of a new paradigm, a new worldview, and be a strong advocate for it. Again, it's not necessarily new in the absolute sense. You know, there have been elements in America that have been pushing against the mainstream since its founding. And obviously, you know, in the 60s, that was really when a lot of it came to the fore. But Where the right wing in America is correct, where the white supremacists and the theocrats are correct, is that we do want to replace them. I do want to replace the right wing. Not physically, not as as physical individuals. I'm not trying to move right wingers out of the country and replace them with foreigners. That's just more white supremacist racist bullshit. But what I do want to do is replace their culture, their ideas. 
Because the dominant white conservative majority in America represents an immoral, diseased, and twisted worldview. It's literally bad for everyone and all living things. Hence, the hundreds of thousands of people needlessly dying in the pandemic, the millions and billions of animals being tortured for this industrial agricultural meat system, the coal and oil companies polluting our environment and and frying the, the atmosphere such that we're having a climate emergency pretty much 365 um, you know, all day, every day, a country just steeped in violence and sexism and mistreatment of, of minorities and women and indigenous people. That is just sick and diseased, and I want no part of it. I do want to replace it. They want to cling on to it. They like white supremacy. They think that it feeds some part of their ego and part of their identity that they just can't live without. And it's sad. Hopefully, they'll figure it out that it's actually bad for them too, right? The dying of whiteness phenomenon that actually this white supremacist theocratic worldview is actually hurting them. But I'm not waiting for them to get wise to the game, right? So while America still loves punching hippies, and maybe will for all of the rest of my life, eventually, if we stand strong and don't back down, one day this toxic mess that is currently mainstream American culture will be something in the minority, and we can truly celebrate mainstream culture as something great. So with that, everybody, uh, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Rate it. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Um, And with that, everybody, have a great rest of the week. Take care. Be well.